One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that uses musical memories as a means of getting to know our guests and has been doing so for two straight years now. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is our executive producer, Chris Duffus. Chris is an experienced financial technology entrepreneur, having started, built, and exited three ventures. As a result, he's developed a background working with innovative organizations in finance, technology, and policy. He's currently founder and CEO of PhoneBank, Inc., an emerging mobile technology company addressing financial inequality across the developing world by enabling anyone with a prepaid mobile phone to have a bank account. Prior to that, Chris worked with a number of venture-backed startups in the fintech and wireless industry, cumulatively raising nearly $50 million from top-tier venture capital firms. He was also the deputy CEO of finance and administration for the 2008 Democratic National Convention Committee in Denver, Colorado. He began his career with Goldman Sachs in mergers and acquisitions. Chris is a graduate of Florida A&M University and the University of Virginia's Darden Graduate School of Business Administration, where he currently serves as a member of the Alumni Board of Trustees. He's also a board member of the National Educators Association Foundation and serves on the Investment and Development Committees. Finally, Chris's first entrepreneurial venture, which he founded as a junior in high school, was the Scholars Club, an academic not-for-profit focused on developing a peer culture of accomplishment and academic excellence among disadvantaged and underserved students. Students. It has become one of Southwest Florida's premier academic organizations, having served nearly 100,000 students now. And that goes back to when Chris and I first met in high school. We were both proud, righteous Red Rangers in Jane Renfro's English class our junior year. And in case anyone's been wondering, now that we're two years into this podcast, he's our executive producer because he's who gave us the kernel of the idea for this show, which is why he's our two-year anniversary guest. Now that I've said all that, let's get on to our EP. Song stories. Hey there, Chris. How's it going? Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. So, uh, so thank you so much for doing this. And but man, I sure am glad that we crossed paths in D.C. a couple years ago. <laughs> kind of, kind of was the reason all this became yeah, possible yeah. in some ways. No, that's it's fantastic. You know, it's a, a one of the the positive benefits of social media um, is the power that it has to sort of reconnect people that you know, already had sort of uh, strong connections to begin with, but it jogs those memories and helps us uh, understand why, why we were friends to begin with. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, there's no way in the world I would have wound up walking around D.C. with you that day had I not had Facebook to have kept us adjacent to each other until that became possible. That was pretty cool. So remind me of where this idea came from. I think when you first, when we had that phone call, you said something about a wedding shower and Bob Boylan. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, cl- cl- close. It was a friend's birthday. And it was just one of those like um, conversations one night uh, that I was having. And it happened to be in, in New Orleans um, sometime in September, I think of like 2017. I was a couple cocktails into this, and um, our mutual f- uh, friend was Bob Boylan, and he happened to be there. And I'm like, I'm kind of a, a, a big fan of his, and walked up, and uh, we got to talking. And, and actually, my wife and I, we actually listen to, to StoryCorps a lot on NPR. It's actually our, um, 
our our wake up uh, on our Alexa every day uh, is is huh. N- NPR, and on Fridays we in DC WAMU um, FM we listen. We StoryCorps comes on. Anyway, I was like, you know, it's a great it's a great concept, but it would be awesome if if you could ascribe music to it, right? Um, yeah, people are not everybody is great at telling sort of this this a traditional sort of um or what people would think is like a really good story but i think it's one of the reasons why people love music so much is that they see themselves in these songs and if there was a way in which you know but what people can sort of figure out is understand sort of a, a certain particular arc in their life and uh, you know ascribe a song to it and hmm. he's like you know chris that's a great idea and you were probably the next person that i told yeah, yeah, and I'm glad you did because we got out there ahead of it. And as soon as we started making it, we were like, "Wow, this almost seems too good to be true." It's like uh, we we jokingly said it was like we rediscovered fire. It was so obvious <laughs> once we started, once we started doing it. It was like, man, because it really does turn people into their own best storyteller when it comes to having music involved. Yeah, I remember. I remember uh, we got scared when we first started because we found another podcast whose name is very similar to ours. They don't do what we do, but we like when we started creating it. We were like, "Uh oh!" Like, did did were we a month too late? Yeah. For whatever it's worth, and this is sort of my technology background. Amazon was the twentieth online book retailer. So, hmm. Okay, so when we first decided to go ahead with the show, we got you on the phone and uh, we recorded that conversation because I was hoping this would have enough legs that someday we could bring it back and play <laughs> it for you. And and that day has come. We're going to listen to this right now. So 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 tune in. The reason I'm calling you today is because the bird that you put in my ear back when I first started here about the uh, the three songs idea. Uh huh. We're running with it. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here's the deal. So um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm back at the station now. We're trying to come up with new content. The uh, the host of the show and our uh, news director Julie Glenn decided she was going to start a podcast called. Uh, uh, grape Minds says so she's into wine, and so it's going to be a, a weekly exploration of wine. And when she first told me about it, I thought she was just going to do a podcast using the station's infrastructure, but it wouldn't be like a WGCU-branded thing. Well, as they started going down the trail, it became a WGCU-branded thing. So I was like, well, I've got an idea. So they said, what's the idea? And I was like, well, the idea is to take a person, have them come in and have them bring three songs that sort of connect them to their past and use that to sort of extract their uh, their life stories. And everybody was like, that's so awesome. So uh, we are today oh, wow. recording the pilot episode of Three Song Stories. And uh, you, will, you will have a credit at the end of it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Perfect. So what do you want that credit to be? Uh... What are the options? Well, I mean, everything from, you know, uh, Three Song Stories was conceptualized by Christophus, or we can do something more playful, and every week I can give you a different title. You know, you can be like the camel herder one week and, you know, something else the mm-hmm. next week. Or you can just be like, you know, I don't know. We're making this up as we go. So I wanted to be able to tell so, you about it and and then let you have some about sort like of... executive producer or something like that? Executive production credit? Yeah, I mean that that that's fine with me. I mean, there's no reason not to, right? Yeah. You know, I mean that's kind of what an executive producer is. It's somebody who who has some sort of weight behind the idea, but they're not necessarily directly involved. So, you know, sure, we can. I can make you an executive producer. Yeah, that's that's one of my bucket list items. 
Okay. Well, you know, your 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 bucket list just got a little shorter. <laughs> there, <laughs> there you go, Chris. Oh my God. Two years, la- more than two years later, because we didn't release that pilot yeah. episode for almost two months after that. So yeah, we made it. <laughs> that's 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 pretty critical. That's awesome. How is uh how's that bucket list going? It's it's getting there. It's getting there. You know, I'm, I'm still uh, I'm still I'm still early. You know, as as one of the things that I would um. Uh, a, a buddy of mine sort of described me at, at my wedding reception when he gave the toast. He's like, you know, he's like, I'm not sure which which version of Chris I'm toasting today, but, you know, I'm sure it's it, it's a better one. Uh, and he's like, well, I'll just presume that this, t- you know, I'm toasting Chris uh, 6.0. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so from a bucket list standpoint, you know, as I'll, you know, share a little bit more as we talk today. But. You know, I'm I'm kind of just at the be- beginning in many respects of my life, but I'm I'm at a really good point and uh, and uh, quite quite excited to share. Cool. OK, well, let's get on with this three song story stuff. So what was the musical background of your childhood and, and where was that? I, I don't know if I knew you before high school, whether you were still in Fort Myers, etc. Well, you know, I, I kind of have an interesting story. Um and this is one of these things where, you know, when we sort of re-engaged, uh, you know, there were so many other things to catch up. But and I, I don't know if I've ever had sort of my my Chris origin story with you. But, you know, I was born in Jamaica, Kingston, Jamaica, um, back in the early 70s. Me too. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm from Norbrook. <laughs> and, you know, we left in the um, like 79 to the States. And uh, my dad, uh, my actual parents actually met at. Uh, Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. My mom was an undergrad. My dad was getting his MBA. And he actually ended up going back to Jamaica post-Purdue to um, to work at Exxon or Esso at the time. And he was a economist for the Caribbean. Um, but then there was some political strife that was occurring in Jamaica in the late 70s. And, you know, probably the safest thing uh, to do was to move his family back to the States and had an opportunity to go back to Purdue to get his PhD. Uh, and so that's what we did. And so we moved around a little bit growing up. Um, he got his first sort of tenure track teaching position at uh, University of Tennessee. And then from there, we came down to, to Fort Myers. I remember him sort of sitting us all down at the kitchen table and saying, hey, I have sort of two opportunities for jobs. One, we can go. I have this potential or this opportunity at Columbia University in New York, which is great. But um, we have to live in married student housing, you know, in, in Manhattan or Harlem and going to be kind of cramped. Or we can go to this place called Fort Myers in Florida and it's near the beach. And, you know, I can remember my brother and I, you know, we're like, we want to go back to the beach <laughs> after having grown up in, in Jamaica and experiencing, uh, you know, good good weather and, and having had a couple of really bad winters in um, in the Midwest uh, at Purdue and then even in Tennessee, uh, we thought it was a, a pretty fun opportunity for us. So what kind of music were you being exposed to by your parents and or the, the world around you? A, a lot, you know, but primarily my dad liked reggae music uh bob obviously bob marley but a lot of uh soca and other sort of early reggae one of the um 
and and then even you know a lot of seventies music in in general, right? Um, and I remember my my brother and I listening and you know just jumping around uh, or dancing in the living room. Uh, and in retrospect, probably just entertaining our our, our, our parents. Hmm. Uh, what were your grandparents listening to? Do you remember that? I don't know. I'd actually never. I never really knew my grandparents, at least on my dad's side, um, uh, and my mother's side. I was was not as. Um, so a lot of it was, you know, my dad's side of my Jamaican heritage, and, and a lot of his friends and and family. Um, and you know, it, traditional Jamaican reggae or ska music. In, interestingly enough, most people don't realize this, but, uh, there's a heavy country influence in Jamaican music. Um, I think back in the forties, uh, or so, uh, a lot of the U S radio stations from Florida to Texas, uh, could be listened to in jamaica and they and they played country music hmm yeah i guess back then the am signal could really go a long way in the early days especially before they started you know capping how powerful they could be so <laughs> yes. how old how old were you when you moved to fort myers and and when you got here what was that like so uh i was a um i guess like a, a teenager um my i went to fort myers middle school well, maybe not a or as a preteen, I guess. So, 11, 12, 13 years old, and we moved to um, the Hamlet. I don't know if you remember that um, near. I, I know the Hamlet. It's not called the Hamlet anymore, but I know <laughs> I drive by it all the time. Yeah. So when you got here and you were at Fort Myers Middle School, did you ever play in the band or anything like that? I remember you playing high, uh, football in high school, but were you ever an instrumental player person? No, um, just just a just a listener, right? Uh, but you know what I would say, and this is goes back to sort of the influence of you know while my what my dad listened to a lot of reggae, my mom also listened to a lot of the songs of the 60s 70s like Sergio Mendez or the Beatles and you know I really I was into the um lyrics uh, I really liked I always liked songs that I could sing along to do you still sing today are you a singer <laughs> uh only by myself and maybe in the shower every once in a while Hmm. Um, uh, before we get to your first song, I want to know, is there an early musical memory that you can recall from your time there in Jamaica? Yeah. I mean, not any specific sort of song per se, but one of the things I think it's definitely a cultural thing, but music is really ingrained in Caribbean society um, and culture. I mean, you think reggae, right? Uh, and in many respects, it's a it's now a global music and uh, I would even sort of uh, 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 one, uh, a good friend of mine meant he went on a trip one time, you know, spent a lot of time in Europe and he sort of described it as like, you know, one of the first sort of global music scenes and pretty much everywhere, every day, every minute of the day, someone is listening to reggae music. But it was every party that we ever had or event I, I recall growing up, we had some type of music playing in the background, whether it was a, a record or uh, a, even a band. 
Uh, I want to step in and see if this is the same for you, Chris, as it is for me. Jamaicans in America, so like, you know, we celebrate Thanksgiving with everyone else. But at our Thanksgivings, dancing is part of Thanksgiving. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's and not, everybody's but, invited, too. It's not just a, like, the, the kids or the parents. It's like a, a whole family neighborhood thing. Yeah, very true. So, like, instead of instead of the football on the couch, they, you know, you put some reggae on and everybody starts moving. Exactly. I want to dance to reggae with you, Chris and <laughs> Richard. <laughs> um, okay, okay. Let's, so let's get to your first song. Um, uh, do you want to talk about it first? Do you want to listen to it? Uh, tell us what it is. It's Baby Please Come Home by Memphis Slim, or also his, I guess, formal name is Peter Chapman. You know, this is, <laughs> this might be as much as a, you know, an anniversary, two year anniversary for us, but it's also a homage to my sort of time in Fort Myers and the public radio uh, down there. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I, on Saturday nights at like 11 or 12 o'clock, um, I uh, would listen to the, the jazz you know, Saturday night jazz uh, on the station. And uh, whomever the DJ was back then, they played all this sort of early jazz, bebop, um, even blues. And they would go through a bit of a, a history lesson on each of the featured artists that, that evening. And one night um, they played this, and this was back in the day where you know, people used to record music on the radio on their cassette tapes. And so mm -hmm. this one I was uh, truly inspired by. So I, I, I recorded it and recorded over something that was, you know, at the time important to me enough. And that's how that, that probably a good a setup as, as any for sort of the why this song's really important to me. Okay. Shall we listen to it? Yeah. All right, uh, this is Baby, Please Come Home, uh, performed by Memphis Slim, also known as, or formerly known, formally known as Peter Chap. So what was it about that song that made you, you know, got your attention, made you want to record it? So it was, a, it was his last um, live performance, um, and... It was, you know, one of the other sort of influences that I'd learned from that radio show was about Charlie Parker. And um, his wife was actually the person doing some type of interview um, or emceeing at, at this performance. And I just thought it was just really touching and moving. And, um, you know, but it, so I just I and I I kept it and. You know, as we as we go through high school and you have your high school angst and so forth, this is one of those types of songs that uh, represented that. And even still, like the the whole performance, it was like to me, it was one of those. I wish I'd been at that live performance. That's what's so great about live performances is they're in some ways like time travel because even now to listen back to that, you're still in that room with them. You know, it was uh, it was recorded in 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 um, in Paris. And it was just one of those sort of international um, sort of bucket list things that I'd look to do one one day as I uh, grew up, you know, from where I was. Hmm. Uh, does the name uh, you said you weren't sure who was hosting that show? Does the name Bob Parlocha mean anything to you? Yeah, it sounds sounds familiar. 
He was he hosted overnight jazz that we played for many years. I oh, know wow. he was doing it as starting in the mid '90s. So I don't. I mean, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, no, the yeah, the mid '90s. So it could have very well been Bob Parlocha that was telling you all that stuff. No, he had a great mm. taste. So the second half of like why this is significant. So obviously, it meant something to, to me then back in back in high school, and I had it on this like little green and black cassette tape that I've literally held on to for 20 something years, right? I was unpacking or moving or something. And um, I sort of stumbled upon this again. And my girlfriend saw that it it meant so much, but I didn't realize this at the time. Um, You know, I'd even, um, just stepping back for a second, I would even describe it as like that scene from Pulp Fiction with Christopher Walken and the watch. I'd carried this cassette tape mm. like from everywhere I moved to in my life to that to this point where I was at, right? Um, and so regardless of sort of what I originally thought about it, it, it you know, over the years it it meant and meant a lot and I'd play it every once in a while. And I'd sort of still get that sort of same feeling of, of time travel in listening to it. But um uh it happened to be, you know, my birthday a few years ago and wholly unexpected. And she's digitized that that cassette tape for me. And I was just like, oh, wow, because <laughs> it, it's it's hard to find a uh, cassette player nowadays. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, what you need to do is you need to send us the digitized digit digitization of that cassette tape and we'll use that version in the finished okay. product of this show all right we'll, we'll go back to first principles um that's so cool it was kind of like a talisman for you do you still have the cassette i presume i believe so <laughs> but now that i have the digital version i'm sure it's 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 gone back into some storage somewhere but the significance though to me was it was sort of at that moment i realized that uh she she was the one. Hmm. And this is this is the, your current wife now, and then, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> I couldn't imagine you'd be telling that story if it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Uh, um, so okay, so you live in D.C. How long have you been there? Um, twenty years this May. Uh, do you get to see a lot of live music there? Not as much as I'd, I'd like. I have through the years. Um, you know, one of the things that we'll do is... Uh, so one of the benefits of going to um, uh, grad school in Charlottesville, but my wife and her sister actually went there undergrad. They have a lot of great performances. So every once in a while, we'll go down there and we'll watch uh, a band. Or we have... A, a ton of great clubs here, like uh, or music venues, like Nine Thirty Club, which is a famous one. Um, and over the years, have seen seen artists. Uh, what about there at the Kennedy Center, right next to where we had lunch back in twenty eighteen? I ha- I have. Um, Don't you have a dog connection to that? That just <laughs> popped into my head. I do, I do. Um, she was. It's a, a greyhound, and her name is um, Vesper. Uh, and she was actually in a performance of Giselle at the Kennedy Center. And I think, at, I don't know if, if it had just finished up or 
it was around that time when we when we reconnected and but I would literally it was a I was a stage father of sorts and I took her to all the different the rehearsals and the performances for the Giselle ballet that that season or that spring do they have to have like a an understudy dog in case your dog Vesper got sick or how does that work <laughs> there there were a couple others cuz it was you know the 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 it was a hunting procession so uh, there was supposed to be a, a pack of hounds as part of it. Uh-huh. So there were two others in, in my same Greyhound meetup. Um, so ju- just in case, I guess. But we all got um, huh. stage bill credit. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, so over your, your life's arc, what's the best concert you've ever seen that you can recall? That's a great question. Uh, first, I, I think there's still still more to go. Um, uh but I I would have to say um, I saw Wilco down in, in Charlottesville a number of years ago, mm-hmm. um, and they've always been one of my my favorite musical performers. Hmm. We just recorded an episode of this last week with a, a music musical duo um, who who won an award um, through World Cafe, which is something that they not World Cafe um, yeah World Cafe. Uh, through NPR, they won this award. They were at the Lincoln Center up in D.C. The qu- prize for winning the award was one of the judges was one of the guys from Wilco who has now produced their two albums. And oh, wow. So at the end of their episode, they called him out as a possible future guest on this show. So cross your fingers. Yes, please. Um, have, have, what's the furthest you've ever traveled to see a show? Have you ever gone a distance to see a show? Yeah, maybe. To, I think to like New York from D.C. Yeah, okay. Though, th- though having listened to this uh podcast for the last couple of years um it's definitely something i want to add to my my bucket list like i'm i'm kind of into and they didn't make the um the cut this uh cycle but into jamiroquai and i almost mm-hmm. went to a concert last summer to see them in london um but i'm looking to see what you know what their tour touring schedule looks like this year. I might uh, travel overseas to Europe uh, to go see them. Cool. When you drove up to New York, can you remember who you would have gone to see? Uh, I think it was just a jazz performer. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and this this might have been. I, to- <laughs> I, I what I do remember is that it, there was a time uh, where I wanted to go to places like the Blue Note and the Village Vanguard. And so this was at the Village Vanguard uh, before it hmm. had closed. Um, almost time for your second song, but I have a random memory I want you to confirm, and maybe you don't even remember it. But did did you were you in my Ford Escort, and we were driving somewhere, and I ran out of gas on the campus of Edison Community College, if I'm not mistaken? <laughs> uh, I could have been. I could have been. that is uh when i was digging through my christophus memories i was like you and i were going somewhere and it's only one of two times in my life i've run out of gas so it stuck with me so (laughs) that's that's how we rolled back then (laughs) yeah exactly um high on on ambition low on gas (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um okay time for song number two well what what do you got and what's the story and how do you want to play it out so this one, um, you know, it it's kind of sad, uh, you know, in many respects. 
you know, my, my ties to the Fort Myers community was based on, on my dad. While I'd spent a lot of time with my father growing up, um, and in many respects, you know, my parents got divorced um, while we were in Fort Myers. And I actually ended up staying with my, my dad because, you know, one of the, you know, at the time, selfish things that, um, that I was focused on. I was in high school. I played sports. Um, and you know, all the things that a, that a teenager was really interested in. And, you know, I, I kind of, in retrospect, look, look back at that as a very special time because, uh, uh, with my dad and that I got to, got to know him, um, individually, uh, you know, away from, from my siblings and I have a, a brother and sister, but then they stayed with my mother up in, uh, DC sort of potentially one of the linkages, you know, why, why I ended up coming back here. Um, and f fast forward a number of years, you know, my dad passed away, uh, uh, back in 2011. So nine years ago at this point, but I remember getting a call from my, uh, my stepmother, um, one, uh, I think it was like a fr Friday evening or Saturday evening. And right before Thanksgiving, saying, you know, and, and he'd been diagnosed with um, uh, stomach cancer recently, um, but it was a pretty uh, late stage. And she said, your, you know, uh, your father's just had a, a heart attack. We're taking him to the emergency room. Um, and excuse me for a second. And. You know, the first I I called up my brother, uh, shared the the news, and we got on got on the first flight um, to Fort Myers from D.C. It's the it's like six six something a.m. and uh, we got in before the airport was even open at like four something in the morning. And but it was <laughs> they they start playing Christmas music and holiday music so early nowadays, right? So while while my brother and I were at the airport, uh, my my stepmother calls again and she's like, "Hey, your your father just passed away," and <laughs> and to a. Uh, and just almost immediately, this song comes on. And, you know, I I'd, I'd never, you know, ascribed any particular meaning to it other than, you know, it was a, a powerful song. Uh, but, you know, and, he, and even Le Leonard Cohen, like, I think I might have heard, heard this on uh, um, Love Actually or something before. But... You know, now now it will forever be remind me of that in, incident. You know, uh, when when my dad died. Well, shall we listen to it then? Yeah. Uh, Hallelujah, performed here by Leonard Cohen on his 1984 album Various Positions. So, what's that make you feel, Chris? Listening to that now. Um, 
you know, it, it just brings back those memories in, in that time. And, um, you know, the, it was definitely a, uh, uh, an powerful moment for me and a impactful from a adulthood standpoint, you know, I don't, (laughs) in, in many respects, you know, as a man, uh, you know, the, the, or as a male, the, 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 the passing of your, your father, especially if you're close, you know, I think it represents in many respects, a demarcation line from that sort of adulthood. Right. And, uh, and in that you're, you're on your own after that. Hmm. What's your dad's name? Uh, Lee Duffus. Lee Duffus. He was one of the uh, founding professors to... of at Florida Gulf Coast University. Hmm. I think I knew that. Um, you guys lived over there in like Whiskey Creek or Tanglewood, right there in the middle of the two, right? We did in Whiskey Creek. Huh. Um, uh, do you listen to that song often? Do you avoid listening to that song? <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not really something I have in my in my playlist, but. It is it is important though. What about uh, like other versions, like the Jeff Buckley version, which I think a lot of people know. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 heard it. I don't like I said. I I probably try to avoid it because it does bring back all these memories from that that moment. But I I read just recently that uh, Leonard Cohen's son said that. He, he continued to write new verses for that over the years. And, and somewhere in a journal, there's like 30 different verses to that song that never made it, never made it to a record. I, I, I could see it. It, it. Or I definitely could understand it. It's one of those things where it can be sung in so many different ways. Mean, it can be happy. It can be sad. You know? And Yeah. So when you went to your first job at Goldman Sachs, what did you see as your arc uh, in your life trajectory? Did you see doing what you're doing now, or is that what you wound up doing with all the tech stuff? I do ascribe a lot of this to my my dad. It's why you know uh, his passing was so significant to me. Um, but I, I remember one day we were driving. Um, it wasn't McGregor, but it was that sort of intersection where the gas station is towards the Edison Mall, and um, I, I'd actually wanted to be an, an architect, you know, and I'd taken drafting classes. I was good at drawing and m- my mother actually is a, uh, was a, an urban planner. And so, and I'd built models and I'd go to her, her office and I'd see like all these different, um, diorama of how houses and buildings. And, you know, I was really into that. And so when I applying to colleges, uh, I was looking at the different architectural programs and, He's a business school professor and he knew his son and uh, he got some like uh, salary by career level type chart of architects and and, and, uh, and I'm probably, you know, 17 or something at the time. I and before I knew about cost of living adjustments and I look at the top and uh, he's like, you know, do you sure are you sure you want to be an architect? I was like, well, I don't know. And then he's like, you ever thought about going into business? I was like, hmm. I never never really thought about it. But he's like, you know, um, 
you know, you should consider it. And I, I went to Florida A&M. I studied business and had a really good sort of business program for the undergrads. And from there, I got into finance. And what I realized about that, it was like being an architect for a business. Hmm. And um, while, you know, not necessarily the drafting table, but the Excel sheet. Uh, fast forward, you know, when I went to Goldman Sachs, this was sort of during sort of the internet boom. Uh, and I was there when all that, that happened. I remember when the day Netscape went public, it was pretty eye opening. And, um, I saw these <laughs> young guys, uh, or in, in retrospect, they're probably, you know, our age now coming in and yeah. they built these great, unique organizations that we, you know, you know about today. And I was like, I want to be like them when I, when I grow up and get older. And, uh, and, and I actually, it hit me what in many respects, what they were doing, they were literally like the architects of, of a business. And so, so from there, that's what sort of led me down to my path. And I, you know, I would describe myself and, and my arc really around, um, you know, and what I, how I kind of view myself and, and what I'm passionate about now is I want, I'm interested, I want to change the world in a, in whatever little way that I, I can and build these organizations that are self-sustaining and, uh, impactful to people's lives. Um, whether it's, you know, in Fort Myers with this, the scholars club to, you know, what I'm doing now, uh, around the world. Hmm. So when you're sitting there looking at those Excel spreadsheets, et cetera, do you listen to music while you're working or do you prefer uh, total silence to focus on the <laughs> numbers and the strategies? I think this is a vestige from my, my Wall Street days. I like, I can't operate in silence. So whether it's music, noise, you know, I, I, I like uh, the, the distraction. I'm o I can only focus really when I'm, when I'm around others. And so... Uh, I do, I do listen to music quite a bit now. It's so much, you know, with, with sort of eclectic taste like ours, um, uh, having it so accessible, you know, every song that you ever wanted, you know, thought about or, or heard you could, you can find, I, I listen to it. How do you listen to music these days? Um, predominantly a hundred percent streaming, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily have the old cassettes, though I have considered um, getting uh, a record player again, you know, but I, I haven't uh, I haven't pulled the, the trigger yet. It's 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 in my uh, sh one of my shopping carts. <laughs> Do you remember the last time you bought music that had a physical form like a tape or a CD? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know that I remember the exact last time but it definitely was a ritual thing for me like many of us um there was a a tower records uh down the street for me in dc and uh on like every saturday morning i'd i'd wake up and grab a coffee and go by the tower records and, and get a cd or two um, if you were a championship wrestler, what would the song be that you would come out to? <laughs> huh. That's, that's a very unique uh, question. Um, that's how we roll. 
Uh, you know, like every every hero or championship wrestler needs their their sort of theme music. Um, uh huh. You know, um, hmm. You're you're gonna edit this a little bit, right? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally. I'm actually totally at a, a bit of a loss. Um. Okay, well, you think about it in the back of your brain, and I'm going to circle back to it later, but we'll, we'll move on for the time being. Um, okay, before we get to your third song, uh, Broadway musicals or, you know, stage musicals, have you gotten to see many of those? Is that something that you like to go see? Not so much, but I, you know, at, at, at the risk of, of sounding, um, you know, trivial, I would definitely go see uh, Hamilton if that was uh, an option for me. Um, not, I mean, I couldn't go whenever I want, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, hmm. But it's not necessarily historically anything I'm I'm really into. It's I like, you know, if I'm going to go to uh, music somewhere, I'd rather go to a concert because I can stand. Anytime I have right. to sit down anywhere, I, I, may as, I might as well fall asleep. Huh. Uh, safe to say you're not a karaoke -er? Uh I actually am. Um, oh. You know, I would uh, uh, definitely take you up on, on, on that. The karaoke song uh, that I've been rummaging, going through my, my head on if, I, if I, I were, the winner takes it all. Who's that? ABBA. Oh, <laughs> so that's random, what you karaoke huh? to? I mean, I would. I haven't been to karaoke in decades. Uh, okay. I do. That's definitely one of those things where, you know, if it was in my rotation, I would, you know, I would, I would do it. Uh, but for whatever reason, um, the karaoke option always gets nixed by everyone in my surroundings. Well, we've been joking about having a, a like a reunion of our guests and bring them all to the same place and have a big karaoke party with all our three song stories. I, guests, so. I would be down for that. We'll put you on that. Um, and real quick, what about dancing? You know, you 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 dance. You're a dancer, other than like at a wedding or something. Uh, yeah, a little bit. A little, actually, yeah. I'm not a good one, but I definitely definitely dance. You know, I wouldn't be. That my Jamaican uh, heritage would be revoked otherwise. <laughs> uh, okay, time for your last song. What do you got? This one, and in many respects, it's you know something I, I think about when I heard it. Um, it there was an and it, it 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 was transformative to me in the same way that the Memphis Slim Peter Chapman performance was. It sort of took me away to this different place in time, and it. Uh, reminded me of so many different things in my life, whether it's, you know, my, my father and my upbringing in, in Jamaica. Uh, uh, it also reminded me of my time in Fort Myers. Um, but probably more importantly, it reminded me of sort of what was more to come. And it was, it's kind of a, out of all the songs today, it's like, to me, it's really happy. And it's emblematic of sort of my, uh, you know, emotional states sometimes as an entrepreneur, you have high highs, low lows, 
you know, uh, just because of the, the gravity of some of the things that you do. But when I, you know, when I, when I heard this, I, I really thought that this was unique. Um, this, it was actually, uh, there was an interview with David Byrne on NPR and he talked about his musical influences and how, uh, this artist, um, you know, was one of his significant in, in influences and, and he actually, um, uh, helped commercialize this, this artist, um, many years after, um, the, his, his, his prime. So what is it? We've been, we've been tempting people. What is the song and who is it? Oh, it's, um, Atomic Bomb by William Onyebear. He's a Nigerian artist who, uh, almost like some of these, like, uh, painters wasn't, didn't get notoriety until way after he stopped painting. Um, but he, in many respects, was the an influence for many modern 80s musical artists in sort of the uh, electronic age. All right. Well, let's listen to it. This is Atomic Bomb, uh, performed by William, how'd you say it, Anyabear? Anyabear. We like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Um, uh, well, what, what were you, what's going through your head when you're listening to that now, right? With, uh, with us. That's one of my favorite songs in the world. And you know, you asked me like, what would be in my, like a, a regular music repertoire. It, it would definitely be, you know, this, this album and the, and this song. Uh, it, do you remember what, go, go ahead. No, it makes me feel really good. Do you remember when you first heard it or how did you come about it? Come by it? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, this was, uh, an, an interview that I heard on, on the radio while I was working. That's actually what I do. I, I'll listen to the radio. Um, and, uh, you know, I, and I heard it and, you know, as I indicated earlier, like I really like lyrics, right? Strong lyrics. Um, and this, it was so, so simple. And, but also, you know, especially nowadays, pretty rustic and, and unique from a sound standpoint. Um, and so that, that it just, it was just so unique to me. Do you know about when that came out? Yeah, this, so that is interesting. This is what I was alluding to earlier. Like, um, this song might've been recorded, um, in the mid to maybe late seventies, maybe even earlier. Right. Um, this guy was so innovative from a sound standpoint. Um, but this remaster that everybody knows or, or that we, we have access today wasn't available until only a few years ago. So, Ooh. and that's what I meant. Like th this guy had, you know, long stopped recording music. Actually, he became born again and totally disavowed his sort of earlier works. Um, and then people found it and you're more likely to have heard uh, a, a EDM version of this at some club in Europe than you would be in um, Nigeria where he was from. Wow. Do you listen to it often then since it's part of your rotation, you said? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, it's, in my, it's in my playlist. 
Um, okay, so uh, was there a fourth song that almost made it to your list that you'd like to share with us or that you can think of? Yeah, so, you know, I would add uh, to this, I'm a big Eric B. and Rakim fan, so, you know, likely would have been paid in full. Um, or uh, I'm also a, a Jimmy Cliff fan, and... and you know if that would if there was probably a, a a strong contender for third fourth, it would have been harder they come. Okay. Why would there be a little something you can share that associates that with uh, with that song? Well, yeah, I mean, part of it is you asked like if there was a song that you were going to enter into an arena, uh, it it would have been that. I um, <laughs> again. One of those, the, the story being when I was studying for my GMATs uh, pre-business school, I would go, uh, I would listen to this while I was running to my, my courses and uh, I, it would just get me pumped up. Hmm. So that's your, uh, that's your championship wrestler song then? Yeah. Hmm. Um, if you could learn an instrument instantly, which would you choose to learn? Oh, definitely a guitar. Electric or acoustic? Acoustic. Acoustic. If you could be in a band instantly and magically make all the other players appear, what kind of band would it be and what role would you play? Um, <laughs> some type of, uh, you know, you familiar with Sal George? I'm not. He's a Brazilian artist. He's famous, at least in the States, for his covers of David Bowie from the Wes Anderson film, um, oh, Life okay. Aquatic. Yeah, yeah. And so, and his inspiration, um, uh, I, I think, is the, the Brazilian um, uh, group that, uh, totally flaking. Well, if you want to take, go ahead and look it up. We'll just, we'll, we will edit some of this, maybe. <laughs> so that Atomic Bomb song is just going to be in my head for the remainder of I know, of I was just humming it to I myself. I keep singing it now, over and over, yeah. and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that that's my whole point. It, it was so catchy, I, I couldn't stop think, thinking about it. It's probably the cheeriest song about Atomic Bombs that, <laughs> that has ever been. <laughs> Sergio Mendez. There you Sergio go. Mendez. <laughs> So that's the kind of band you'd start if you could start a band. I would have a guitar, maybe a percussionist, you know, and maybe even do covers. Um, okay, I'm going to play a little bit of Yeah, play some. Right, we know this song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see you doing that, Chris. You know, it's not too late. You should, you know, start playing the know, guitar. Right? Or, or, or the, <laughs> or the other one. Um, so, uh, a buddy or colleague of mine, long time ago, was telling me about sort of his high school routine, and he, he, he had a guitar, and he could only play like one song, and it was um, uh, "Rocky Raccoon" um, by the Beatles, uh-huh. and. <laughs> That was his whole MO. He'd go to a party and he'd sing that song and, you know, heavy, you know, the pretty deep lyrics or, or at least very, all, all about the lyrics. And, and, um, uh, 
it would he would get all the attention and that's that's how what he used to uh per persuade um the the young women at the time when he was in high school if this was in high school is this somebody who i would know oh no no, no 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 this was many years later after uh, well you know one of my companies i right? i understand okay um so what would 14 year old christophus think of uh either <laughs> what are you 48 now like are you 48 like me now or are you the yeah still i will be this april i think he'd be uh proud i think he'd be proud it's one of those things where and now i'm like chris 7.0 and uh and and i'm gonna have a uh a son um in june so i'm really excited about that um congratulations i don't think i knew that that is so cool yeah yeah no I, i've i've had some like all of us many years to reflect on our on our lives and what we could have done better but i'm much more self-actualized now and i think the 14 year old or younger chris duffus would be would think i was a neat guy Hmm. You know, the uh, the Chris 6.0 or 7.0 thing, that really resonates with me, too, because I certainly have reinvented myself every <laughs> seven or ten years throughout my entire life. So 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 cheers to that. Yes. yes. Um, okay, OK, so we're pretty much at the end of the road here um, in a good way. Uh, can you recommend three people who you think we should pursue for this podcast that you'll also share it with? Sure, sure. Uh, Ralph Cordoza. Um, yes. And Ralph, you are welcome anytime. <laughs> Ralph, come on over. Uh, what's Steve's last name? Um, uh, Steve Rosen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Works with Ralph. Yeah. Steve, you are also welcome anytime. You know, and to be honest, I would be, you know, oh, um, Barney Knight. Oh, I would love to have Barney Knight on this show. He moved to like Colorado fairly he did. recently he or did. something. If Facebook didn't tell me that, yeah. Man, oh, I would I me and Barney were close, man. I I've missed that guy. I don't think I've seen him since high school, but I knew him really well in high school and middle school. You know, he's a hmm. pretty inspirational guy and uh, you know, actually he's one of the reasons why I started that organization when I was in high school. He was one really? Of, yeah. That, so, huh. really, really, really smart, talented person, and uh, inspired me to to be better. I would say about Barney Knight that he was one of the first people that I knew that you knew he had character. You know what I mean? Like grownups can have character, but a lot of times high school students don't seem to have character yet. But Barney had character right from the beginning, as far as I can remember. Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay, well, last question. Are there any songs that you'll turn off if they come up on the radio because of the memory that it brings back? <laughs> well, I wouldn't turn off uh, the hall Hallelujah, but not not really. Although, well, I take that back. You know, I don't... I'm, I'm very sort of selective in terms of the popular music that I might listen to. Um, you know, but I'm pretty eclectic, like... You know, heck, I even like that that new Justin Bieber song. Um, was it? 
<laughs> I, I I can't help you here. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. I, I don't know the word. I don't know all the words. Uh, yummy, but yummy. Oh, but I if I hear a Beatles song as well, you know, I would just as enthusiastically tune tune that in. I you know mm. I like good music. I don't care what type of music it is, as long as it's good and it resonates with me. And I think that's many of us. And you know, it's it's the it, the background noise in our lives. And if we have a choice, I would rather have something playing that's inspirational to me in some way. Yeah. Well, uh, that's it, Chris. You got any final thoughts as our executive producer now that we've literally done this for two years every <laughs> Friday? I know. Uh, well, I'm really impressed with what you all have done, and it is much greater than I ever anticipated. And I think if there was a thought, and this is many of the – one of the things that as I think about in terms of – um my entrepreneurial ventures, sometimes you have to give things away and let other people own it and run with it for it to be great. Well, we really appreciate you having given me the idea and, you know, supporting us as you have these past two years. So thank you. Thank you, Chris. You are welcome and look forward to catching up soon. We make this show in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is online content producer and sometimes host. Chris Duffus is executive producer. Our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, I'm hearkening back to the late 80s and high school with Chris at Fort Myers High, Go Greenies. I mentioned in the opener, we were both proud Righteous Red Rangers and Jane Renfro's English class our junior year. That was a sort of a cross high school cultures clique of dudes who all had red Haagen-Dazs t-shirts we'd wear simultaneously sometimes on purpose. I can't even remember how that came about, but it did. We'd sit together in class and sometimes get together to study after class. Miss Renfro will always remind me of the band The Police because she was a huge fan, and I was too, and I did write an interpretive paper in her class on the song Da-do-do-do, da-da-da-da, but that's already been a parting tune. So for today, I'm going to instead pick the other song I remember considering writing that paper on, which in retrospect is probably one of the first songs that got me thinking about a bigger picture of the world and how it works and of life, and not to go too far, but our human existence itself. This is Spirits in the Material World from The Police from their 1981 album Ghost in the Machine. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. I'm probably going to like ruin <laughs> stuff for a lot of people here, so disclaimer. <laughs> but um, almost every night scene, it just stopped raining. And mm -hmm. that's because when they put lights, if there's nothing shiny on the ground, you can't really tell there's a light source. Yeah. Right? But when the, when the ground is wet, you can see the shininess coming from every direction. And so, you know, it, I told that to my friend and it's ruined. Now every time that she's watching a movie or a show, she like texts me like, this is not cool. Now that's what I noticed.